Good morning. Hey, we're so glad that you're here this morning. My name is Dave, and I'm the campus pastor here at our World Golf Village campus. Welcome to worship with us this morning. We uh, are so glad you're here, and if you would grab a Connect card in the seat backs in front of you, and listen, if you're new or visiting, we would love to know that you're here. Just provide whatever information you're comfortable with, and, and as you leave this morning, you can leave those Connect cards in one of the boxes in the back, one of the black boxes that are hanging on the wall in the back, and we'd love to know that you are here with us. Uh, today is a super special day, and um, I'm going to ask Lisa to come up. <laughs> so, uh, Lisa, I've, I've run uh, four marathons, and the hardest part of the marathon is the last little stretch. And I'm grateful to Jesus that he's enabled us to enjoy you and your ministry in the last little stretch of your ministry before retirement. And today is a, is a really, really kind of bittersweet day for me. Um, I have many, many fathers in the faith, but I don't have many mothers. And I'm grateful that uh, you've been a great spiritual mom to many, many, many people here at Good News Church. Thank you. Uh, some of your friends uh, put together just a little video for you, and um, so we're going to show that now, but listen, there's something even better than that. This is super special, and I have a hanky ready for you, uh, but listen, one day, many years from now, Jesus Christ is going to welcome you into eternal glory, and he's going to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Miss Lisa. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for discipling us. Thank you, Miss Lisa, for making church so much fun. I love you, Miss Lisa. Thank you, Miss Lisa. I love you. I love you, Miss Lisa, because you gave me the Lego set when I broke my arm. I love you, Miss Lisa. Happy retirement. Hey, Miss Lisa. I hope you have a happy retirement. Thank you for watching my little brothers. Thank you for playing for me, Miss Lisa. I love you. Thank you, Miss 
Lisa. Thank you for serving the church and the school. It was fun meeting you. We will miss you. Thank you, Miss Lisa. Thank you for all that you've done for us and helping me get baptized, and I'm gonna miss you a lot. Thank you, Miss Lisa, for all that you've done for us and for helping us get baptized. Thank you, Miss Lisa, for always being so nice to me. Love you, Miss Lisa. It's so hard to picture Good News Church without you, but we're so happy for you. Miss Lisa, I love you. I love Good News Church, and I love spending time and getting love in my heart from God. Miss Lisa, I love you and I'm happy for you retiring. Thank you for loving Jesus in my heart. And I love spending time with you at VVS and Normal Church. We love you, Miss Lisa. Thank you so much for helping me and all of my friends get involved in the kids' ministry. Thank you, Miss Lisa. So you may wonder uh, how we're going to get along without Lisa, and that's a really, really impossible question to answer. But we do have some folks who have stepped up to help us uh, in the interim, and that's Jackie and Ivy, and they're going to be leading our kids' ministry together in the interim. It takes two people to make up for you, and, um, and we'll be working through the rest of the year to come up with a great plan. But that uh, collection of kids... is multiplied by literally thousands who you've impacted over the years. So thank you so much, and let's pray. <clears throat> Jesus, thank you for Lisa. Thank you for Harry. Thank you for their children. Thank you for their grandchildren. Thank you for the great-grandchildren who will come in the, in the years ahead. And I pray that you would give Lisa incredible joy in these years of investing in her grandchildren, and investing in her children, uh, Lord, in her retirement years. Lord, what does a children's ministry leader do when they retire? Well, of course, they go and spend time with their grandkids. Lord, give her your Holy Spirit, and give her and Harry great, great, great years together in their retirement. Thank you for them. Lord, thank you for the fruit that's been born through them in Atlanta, and then here in St. Augustine, and Lord, I pray that the fruit that they have borne through ministry would remain, and that it would continue to bear even more fruit for your glory. Lord, thank you so much that we can uh, honor and encourage and thank uh, Lisa. And thank you most of all, Jesus, that one day you will say to her, well done, good and faithful servant. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have just a, a small, small, small gift for you, Mimi, and uh, so there you go. Thank you so much. Ivy, you're in charge of the class from now on. I know that y'all will support these ladies well, and I know you will because you've always been Oh, man. 
So grab a Bible and turn to 2 Timothy. And uh, this is a great passage to study together this morning um, on, uh, as we consider what just happened with, with uh, Lisa. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. Now listen, as I read it, let's pay close attention to it, remembering that this is God's word to us. It's inspired, inerrant, infallible, sufficient. It's our only rule for faith and practice. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's spend just a moment in prayer. Father, I pray that you'd give us supernatural insight into what you're saying to your church this morning through this, your word. Thank you that you continue to speak to us through your word and that you've given your Holy Spirit, Jesus, to guide us into all truth. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take from the things of Jesus and make them real to our hearts that, that we might be transformed this morning in hearing the good news of the gospel, which I share today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so over the next several weeks, we're, we're going to be doing a study of this passage, 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 7. And what we're going to learn through our study of this passage is that Jesus invites us to make disciples together. And that's our purpose as a church. Our purpose as a church is to make disciples together. Now, why would we spend many, many weeks looking at this one passage? Well, go down to verse 7. You see what it says in verse 7? It says, consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Maybe you have the NIV translation, and it says, reflect on what I say. So what we're going to do over the next several weeks is, is we're going to consider, we're going to reflect we're going to look at this passage again and again, and, and in this passage, we're going to see that there's three pictures, there's three pictures of, of what we are to be as followers of Jesus. And the three pictures that are in this passage are the picture of a soldier, and an athlete, and a farmer. So over the next several weeks, we're, we're, we're going to unpack, we're going to consider, we're going to reflect on what that means. As I think about a picture, I wanted to share a picture with you this morning 
And it's a picture that a friend shared with me. And so let's put that on the screen. You see this picture? What do you see? I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want, to, want you to just share with the person next to you what stands out in this picture to you. What, what do you notice in this, in this picture? All right, what were some of the things that you noticed? Mud. The woods. The ears. Yeah, that lamb has a good set of ears. What else? The guy in the background. All right. He's, he does seem to be running, right? Yeah. All right, and we're going to come back to that in a minute. But look at verse 1. You see, if we're going to be good soldiers, if we're going to be hardworking farmers, if we're going to be athletes who compete to get a prize, then we're going to need some supernatural strength in order to enter into the life of being and making disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. And, and look at verse 1. You, therefore, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong. The word be strong is the word in dunamis. And the word dunamis is, is the Greek word that means strength or power. And it's used throughout the New Testament. It comes into our English language as the word dynamite. How powerful is that? How great is the strength that Jesus Christ makes available to us that it would be called dynamite power. Do you think Timothy needed strength? We've learned in our study of Timothy this year that, that Timothy was young and he was sickly and he was surrounded by leaders who seemed more mature, more strong, more confident than he was. And so Paul says to him, Oh, Timothy, my child, be strong. Now, that would be the biggest mockery you could imagine if, if he were telling Timothy to be strong in the strength that he had. Because Timothy knew he didn't have any strength. He was young, and he was sickly, he was weak. That's just where Jesus wanted him. You see, we live in a world that's consumed with strength. How many of you in the marketplace have been asked by your manager to complete a a questionnaire to discover your particular strengths. It's called a strengths finder. How many of y'all have had to do that? That's just one very simple example of the way that our culture is just consumed with strength. Nobody wants to take a questionnaire to discover their weaknesses. They want to discover their strengths. A few years ago, a woman named Angela Duckworth, she wrote a book called 
Regret. Another example of of how in the marketplace and in the world of self-help and and in the world of business, we're, we're asked to find out how to be gritty, how to tough it out, how to keep going. Or consider the one of the most popular movies on Netflix right now is a three-part documentary about Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You ever heard of him? Strong man. At one time, the world's strongest man. And now, there's a three-part documentary on his life because we live in a world that's obsessed with strength. Then Jesus Christ comes along and he says to the world and he says to us that the way to be strong, the way to be strong is by grace. The way to be strong is to become weak. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, Jesus says, verse 9, he says, and he said to me, Jesus, speaking to Paul, he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for power, dunamis, is perfected in weakness. You see, in the kingdom of Jesus, in life with Jesus, the secret to being strong is to admit that you're weak. The secret to to getting ahead in the kingdom of God is not by working hard to get strong, but to admit that you're weak and to receive by grace his strength working through you. My grace is sufficient. What does Paul mean that, that my son be strong in the grace? What's grace? Grace is ill-deserved favor. It's both pardon from sin and power for living the Christian life. So in um, Ephesians chapter 3, Paul will pray for the church at Ephesus. It's the same church, by the way, that Timothy is pastoring. He'll pray for the church at Ephesus and he'll say this, for this reason, I bow my knees You notice that? Paul doesn't say, for this reason, I stand up and I puff out my chest and I show you how strong I am. No, he says, for this reason, I bow my knee. I make myself small. I make myself nothing. I make myself weak. I make myself vulnerable. Prayer is foolishness to the world. Bow my knees. Are you kidding? That's the most un-American thing imaginable. That's the most undudish thing I could ever think. Bow my knees. I don't bow to anybody. Really? Paul says, I bow my knees. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through what? His spirit in the inner man, 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. You may be filled up to all the fullness of God. You want to be strong? It comes by grace. It comes as a gift. Pardon. Pardon from what? Pardon from sin. You see, all of us have committed crime after crime after crime against God, and, and the God that we've sinned against is holy. So we're in big trouble. And God solves our sin problem by extending pardon by grace. By showing favor to those who, who had punched him in the face. When did we do that? Jesus Christ, the God the Son, put on our humanity and he stepped into our world. And when you and I could get our hands on Jesus, we killed him. On the cross, Jesus Christ died in our place as our substitute so that grace might flow to us. We need grace. Ill-deserved favor. We need pardon because we've sinned against God and we're in big trouble. And 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. God says, I'll, I'll forgive all your sin. But not only that, I'll move into your life and I'll give you supernatural power to live as a follower of Christ now can. Have you ever received Christ as Savior and Lord? Have you experienced His power causing you to be born again into God's forever family? Have you ever accepted and admitted the bad news of the gospel that, that you've sinned against God? Won't you? Have you ever believed that, that Christ is the one who died in your place as your substitute and, and rose from the dead to prove that his payment for sin purchased a place in heaven for you forever? Have you ever believed? Won't you? Listen, if you committed to Christ as Savior and Lord, when you do, Jesus says, I'll pardon all your sin and I'll move in to give you supernatural power to live as a follower of Christ can. That's what it means to be strengthened by grace. Now, if you have, if you have received Christ, do you realize what good news that is for you, Christian? Listen, if you have received pardon by grace through faith in Christ, that means that you no longer have to work your head off to try to please God. It means that when God looks at you, he's pleased with you because he's pleased with your, his son, your savior, Jesus Christ. You believe that? When you consider God the Father, 
sitting on his throne in heaven, if you could catch his eye just for a moment, what would be the expression on his face? Would it it be one of love and acceptance? Or are you still believing? Are you still believing that, that somehow there's something that you have to do to earn his favor, to earn his love? Oh, Paul bows his knees before the Father so that they might experience the fullness of God in their hearts, the love of the Father for them. Oh, dear Christian, don't go back to man-centered, peer-pleasing religion. There's no power in that. But run to Jesus to be strengthened by his grace. 2 Timothy 2 tells us that this strength by grace is ours in Christ Jesus. Francis Schaeffer, many years ago, gave a sermon, The Lord's Work and the Lord's Way, and in it he says this, There is no power for God's people for preaching or teaching or anything else except Christ himself. Apart from Christ, anything which seems to be spiritual power is actually the power of the flesh. So now, based on what you've heard this morning in 2 Timothy 2, verse 1, Now, what do you see in the picture? What do you see in the picture now? Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor if you see anything different in the picture now that you have heard of of grace in Christ Jesus. All right, so what stands out to you now? What do you notice? What do you notice about the picture now? Anything different? Yeah, the lamb has his back to Jesus. The the lamb's not running to Jesus. And what else? Jesus is running to the Oh, dear people, do you dare believe that God would run for you? Anything else? He's what? Yeah, he's still wanted even though he's filthy. You're wanted, you're loved, you're pursued. There's grace for you. Now look at verse 2. 
Paul is concerned that Timothy receive the grace of Christ so that he might make disciples. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now here's disciple making. Here's disciple making in one verse. One of the greatest descriptions of, of what it means to reproduce ourselves spiritually in the lives of others. Now, it's so important that we are very, very clear about what we mean by making disciples. Our daughter was a swimmer, and she spent many, many, many hours in the pool going back and forth, back and forth, training for her competition. And, and her strongest event when she was uh, in high school, her strongest event was the 100-yard freestyle. Now, imagine a uh, fly, 100-yard fly. Now, imagine, imagine if, if one of the track athletes came over to the pool and said, well, what are you getting ready to race? And they said, well, I'm getting ready to race the 100 yard. And he said, well, I do the 100 yard. I'm very, very fast. And so they stood at the blocks, and, and Madeline got up, and she was ready to dive into the water, and the sprinter from the track team was also ready to, to sprint, but they both jump in the water together. The sprinter, he gets his feet going as fast as he can, and he's sprinting for one foot. And then down to the bottom of the pool he goes. And Madeline has learned through training to propel herself not on top of the water, but through the water as a swimmer, not a sprint, not a race, a runner. If you don't understand the definition of what it means to make disciples, then you might find yourself trying to do the wrong thing in the race that God has called us to finish together as a church. So let's consider a few definitions of making disciples. The navigators say that disciple-making means intentionally helping people learn from, and live more like Christ. True, another campus ministry, says that disciple-making is following Jesus and taking others with you. Alan Hadidian wrote a book called Discipleship, and he says discipling others is the process by which a Christian with a life worth emulating commits himself or herself for an extended period of time to a few individuals who have been one to Christ, the purpose being to aid and guide their growth to maturity and to equip them, here's the important phrase, equip them to reproduce into a third spiritual generation. Dan Spader says disciple-making is the whole process from unbeliever to fully trained, reproducing disciple-maker. So what do we see in this verse 2 about disciple-making? 
Paul says, the things that you've heard from me. So there's Paul, generation one, who became a follower of Jesus because Jesus revealed himself to him as he was going to persecute, arrest, and kill Christians. Is his grace sufficient for you? Yes. So Paul says, I have entrusted this gospel, this grace to you, Timothy. The things that you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, now you, Timothy, entrust these to faithful men who will be able then to teach others also. So there's multiple generations in this disciple-making process. It begins when a person is one to faith in Christ. Paul was one to faith. Timothy was one to faith in Christ by Paul. Then he helped equip him in how to entrust the gospel to faithful men who would be able then to train others also. So in disciple-making, we're looking for multiple generations and we're including in the experience of disciple-making winning lost people, helping them learn how to abide in Christ and live the Christ-centered life, then equipping them to take the faith and, and entrust it to others so that a fourth generation of followers of Jesus are, uh, is produced. Now, now we've learned what we're strengthened for is to participate with Jesus in this life of being a disciple and helping others become disciples. So now, look at the picture one more time, and now, what do you see in the picture? What do you notice about the picture now as you consider this process of disciple-making? Turn to your neighbor and tell them. All right, so what do you notice now about the, uh, about the picture? You're going to have to get dirty. If you're going to be and make disciples with Jesus, you're going to have to get down in the mud with some lambs. Do you need strength for that? Yes. Your natural abilities will not do. You, you need the gospel. You need grace. What else? Persistent. Jesus is persistent with you so that you can stay at it and stick with it for others' growth in the gospel. One more. What else? Remember who came running after you. And remember what it felt like to be that lamb. 
Remember what it felt like to be that lamb stuck in the mud when Jesus came and and picked you up and carried you home to the Father. And when we remember who we are and whose we are, then we'll want, we'll want to keep being strengthened by grace so that we can make disciples. So this week, this week we've introduced this series that we would say yes to Jesus' invitation to making disciples together. And what we've learned this week is, is that we have been offered strength, strength from Christ for this great task. So listen, what I want for you this week is, is that you would be strengthened. That you would, you would be strengthened. Now, I want to help you remember this. I want to help you remember that that the gospel and only the gospel, Jesus Christ, and only Jesus Christ is the power source for this life. Now, imagine that we came into this building and all the electricity was off. Now, if you walked into this room... And, and you noticed, church kind of seems dark. What would be your first thought? Would your first thought be that, what is wrong with Florida Power and Light? Would your first thought be, I bet Parker didn't pay the light bill? Would your first thought be, man, I better give more so that this church can pay their bills? Or, would your first thought be, I wonder if someone forgot to flip the switch? You see, in the Christian life, the power source is in Christ. It's not in us. And faith is the conduit. It's the path through which the electricity flows into our lives so that Christ might work in us and through us. So listen, if you're not experiencing power in the Christian life, the answer is not to try harder. The answer is to believe and to receive. Because the Christian life isn't an achieved life, it's a received life. It's a life lived by faith. So if we're going to be strengthened by Christ this week, then what we need is to abide in Christ. John 15, 5. I'm the vine, and you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I've been at this a long time. And you know what I do every day? I wake up every day and I've forgotten the nothing. Every day I wake up and I, and I think, until God reminds me, I think that it really depends on me. And then Jesus. Jesus is so kind and so gracious. He comes along and he says, how's that going for you, Dave? Not so good. Hey, did you forget about the nothing part? 
Yes, Jesus. I forgot about the nothing part again. Last week, we were on vacation, and the first week of vacation went really, really good. The, the second week of vacation, I went to play golf, and, and when I got home from playing golf, my wife said, hey, did you turn up the AC? I said, well, you did say it was a little cold in here. And she said, well, <clears throat> I don't think the AC's working. So it, it had gone from 72 in the house to 82, and I sure didn't set the thermostat on 82. So we discovered that the AC wasn't working. So we spent the night, got up the next morning, and, and we spent all day on Wednesday hosting a AC repairmen. Now listen, I'm not going to go through the whole story. It's somewhat entertaining. But <clears throat> suffice it to say, the beach is really a miserable place without AC. The house went from 72 to 82 to 92 on the thermostat. And it was several days before they came out to fix the air conditioning. And you know what I learned? I'm, I'm a wimp. I really need air conditioning. I'm not a camper. I like AC. I really like sitting on the beach and enjoying the sun and the heat of the day, but then it's good to come back home. And that one little thing, loss of AC, showed me just how wimpy I really am. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that when we got home on last week, our AC was working fine. In fact, I had forgotten to turn up the thermostat before we left, so it was running all week, and it was nice and cool. Nice and cool in the house. Listen, don't ever try to go without Jesus. You'll be miserable. Listen, don't, don't try to do it without Jesus. You'll, you'll fail. And you know what he'll do? When you realize that what a mess you're making of your life without him, you know what he'll do? He'll come running. And he'll pick you up out of the mud and he'll put you on his shoulders and he'll take you home and he'll say, I love you. Don't do that again. And you'll say, yes, Jesus. And then we'll forget, and we'll run back in the mud. And he'll never stop running. Be strengthened by grace. And then let Jesus, this week, let Jesus on the throne of your life, every day, learn the Christ-directed life. Say, every day, say to Jesus this week, Jesus, come into my life. Take up your position on the throne of my heart and you direct all my decisions and actions this week. Jesus, you show me what life is all about. You lead and, and, and I'll follow. You know, when you do that, you know what happens? You get strong. Because you admit just how weak you really are. Now, do you know any lambs? Are there any lambs in your life? Anyone who, who needs to hear about Jesus and his grace? Do you know any lambs? Any lambs in your home? Young people who, who in your home who need to know about Jesus, who do you think is going to tell them? You can. In your neighborhood, do you know any lambs in your neighborhood? 
you can be strengthened with grace so that you with Jesus can run after lost lambs and tell them about someone who can pick them up and clean them off and take them home. You know any lambs in your business? Anyone who's just overwhelmed with life? You could tell them. Do you know any lambs in your school? Anyone who's covered in mud and, and who needs to be loved and accepted? Do you know any lambs? Many years ago, Dawson Troutman, the founder of the Navigators, gave a sermon, and in that sermon, which has the same title as the sermon that I gave you this morning, Born to Reproduce, in that sermon, Dawson Troutman says this, what will it take to jar us out of our complacency and send us home to pray, God, give me a man or give me a girl that I can win to faith in Christ or give me an infant, a babe in Christ that I can train to lead others to the Savior. You know any lambs? Ask Jesus. Jesus, give me a man or a girl that I can win to faith in Christ. Give me a lamb. And then let me teach that lamb the abiding life and the Christ-centered life that they might grow to maturity. And then let me equip and train that lamb to win others to the Savior. But oh, dear people, we're all lambs. The strength and power comes from a shepherd not from the Lamb. We don't have anything to offer the world except our need of Jesus. So we all have the same need. We don't... Oh, that's another sermon. We'll let that one go. There's 275,000 people in St. John's County. What if this year what if this year a hundred of us began to pray, God, give me a man or give me a girl that I can win to faith in Christ or give me an infant, a babe in Christ that I can train to lead others to the Savior? What if a hundred of us did that this year? Next year, there'd be a hundred less lost people in St. John's County. You know how many years we'd have to do it? reproducing year after year after year. Do you know how many years it would take? It would take each of, each of us 100 people reproducing 12 times for everyone in St. John's County to be reached for Christ. 12 years. If each of us asked the Father for one, one person each year, can you win one? Can you make one? You can. You know how I know that? Because he's promised to make you strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, for the sake of the people of St. John's County and for the sake of our own souls, I pray that you would strengthen us by grace that's found in Christ Jesus. I pray that we would be rooted and grounded in the gospel. 
that Good News Church would, would be a family of people who are asking you every day, give us strength, give us strength, give us men, give us women, that we can win to faith in Christ. Or give us babes, infants in Christ, that we can train to lead others to the Savior. Do you know him as Savior? If you don't, won't you receive him now? Won't you say to Jesus right now, Jesus, I admit to you that I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe that, that you lived the life I should have lived and died the death I should have died. Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead. Living Jesus. Come into my life as Savior and Lord. Help me become the person you want me to be. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for your grace. Strengthen us, I pray in Jesus' name.